The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome in everyone to the Lunch Pail Draft Cast, the first and original inaugural episode, kinda, I guess is how we're going to say it, because... I am here with Jacob Infante and will be here for the foreseeable future going forward, breaking down your favorite prospects and maybe guys you haven't heard much about for this upcoming NFL draft and NFL drafts going forward, because I don't think Jacob and I plan on doing this short term. Why don't you go ahead and say hello to the people? Hello, everyone. I am Jacob Infante. Uh, thank you for the uh, for bringing me in there and segueing. Uh but yeah, we're looking to do this, uh, you know, long-term we're talking, you know, NFL draft here. We're talking, you know, every position, as many players as we can, the big names, uh, some of the late round, small school guys, uh, that's really what we want to do here. It's not going to be just a typical, okay. Uh, let's talk only about Trevor Lawrence. Although our first like unofficial episode was, we did talk a lot about quarterbacks to start, but we're, we're really digging into it here. We got some uh, some hog mollies discussion. I feel yeah. like you guys are really going to enjoy. Yeah, we've got, we've got some hog mollies. We're going hashtag fat lives matter on this episode. We're getting down in the trenches. And I guess you, you can kind of akin it to our show. The teams are built from the outside in as the foundation. This is our foundation episode. We're laying the first pieces of groundwork. It's poetic. When, it's poetic. That's a That's a way to put it look at jacob using that college education look at that yeah <laughs> all right so i guess we're we're i mean we, we're not burying the lead or anything but where do we want to start we're going to start with the offensive line do we want to start interior do we want to start start out on the i guess you would call it the perimeter of the offensive line where do we want to go me personally i'm a really big fan of this offensive tackle class so i kind of want to yeah. dig into that first if you don't mind just because there are so many guys I feel like can step in pretty quickly in their careers and be like a legitimate game sure. starter at the next level. Absolutely. So what, I mean, the obvious names, we'll just start at the top then. So we got Rayshon Slater from Northwestern university and Penne Sewell. So both guys who did not play this past year, but are the consensus either one or number two offensive tackle, depending on who you talk to, where do you have those two lined up, Jacob? Yeah. So right now I have Penne Sewell in at number one. Uh, I mm-hmm. feel like, his 2019 tape is maybe as good as almost any offensive lineman I've seen, like Quentin Nelson in Notre Dame, the uh, 2017, I want to say, was his last year there. 
Like that was incredible. I don't think that's ever going to be topped. But Panay Sewell to me is a solid second in terms of offensive line tape that I've watched. Uh, just from the fact that he's, you know, he's big, he's strong, he's athletic, he's technically polished. Like there's very few weaknesses in his game, in my opinion. And the fact that he's only 20 years old, like I'm 20 years old. I tweeted out a video of me running a 40 yard dash and I'm like half the size of Pene Sewell and he beat me by well over half a second. Like I think he ran like a, a 505 or something like that, like a 51. Mm-hmm. I was in the 565.05 yeah, was the number I thought I saw, but I could be wrong on that. Yeah, I think that's right. And he absolutely demolished me, which isn't saying much. I'm not an athlete, but Pene Sewell, all <laughs> things considered. <laughs> <laughs> first of all i'm not an athlete <laughs> <laughs> i mean we call it the lunch bill draft cast for a reason you know we're yeah we, we bring our hard hat to work with us that's what we do mr man exactly <laughs> <laughs> quicker than fast that's the way to describe what we're going with here uh but yeah i'm a huge fan of Penesul. uh also a big fan of rashawn slater i don't think he's as good as Penesul, but i think there's a lot to like athleticism technique, just his overall intelligence. I feel like either one of those guys, you can realistically make an argument for being top 10 picks and I'd have no problem with it. I think both of them are going to be really good players from the get-go. I, I actually tend to agree with you on that one. Um, I, I, I was higher on Penny Sewell the first time I went through his 19 tape versus the second time I think, think he's got the NFL body up top. I think he could stand to maybe add a little bit in his legs, but I think, you know, he, he posted that picture on his social media and he kind of got the label of soft bodied, which he's, I mean, anyone who's ever been around a weight room, that's just a big, strong human. Yeah. But he's, what is he? I, I'm, I'm pulling up his RAS, which is, uh, which is basically a way of tracking someone's size and weight and athleticism in a composite score, which was developed by Kent Platt, I believe a pro football network, but um, he's six, four, 331 pounds. And he benched 225 30 times at his pro day and ran a 5.09. He, he scored an overall 9.09 out of 10 on an, on his RAS, AKA very good, great, I guess you could even consider it elite just to put that out there. Um, so very, very good. I think he could stand to add more in his lower half, but it's not like he's tiny. Like he's a big, strong kid. Yeah. And, and to your point, he, he is 20. He's 20. Like that's, <laughs> I am legitimately 10 years older than this guy. That's <laughs> Looney Tunes to me, but he, you know, he's really good. Could he be taller? Sure. You, you could argue that you could, I think his arms measured in at 32 inches, I believe. Um, so would you like him a little longer? Sure. But he reaches that threshold, which is, you know, what everybody wants. Yeah. He, he plays. I, what I really like about it. I like, especially on, online i think on on in the at at the line of scrimmage i like when guys have an attitude to them and play with a a motor that quote-unquote runs hot penne sewell has a motor that runs hot he plays with a nasty demeanor and that's something you almost need 
from your offensive lineman. So he's a good athlete. He's got, he is, he's strong, could get stronger. You know, I think he could stand to work on his footwork and his kick steps a little bit, but I mean, that, that comes with practice. Again, he, he hasn't played in literally a calendar year. So everything's going based off of his 2019 tape, which to be truthful with you, I kind of caught glimpses of him when I was evaluating Herbert last year. So that's kind of what first tipped me off. And then you kind of, you, you don't, I try not to get into the next year's class if they're not eligible until that, until I actually sit down and evaluate them. But he was kind of impossible to miss with the offense that, that Oregon runs. Now that be that's saying a lot because Oregon, we remember, I want to say like three, four of those guys ended up getting drafted along that offensive line back in 2020. So that's a really good group. And Penn Sewell jumped off the page. I'm right there with you. When I was watching Justin Herbert, I'm like, okay, this this left tackle kid, this Sewell guy, he's really good. Yeah, especially with the amount of like tunnel screens, bubble screens, you know, little short, whatever. They ran the most screens in college football with Justin Herbert notoriously, which was what ended up, ended up killing his stock, this, that, the other. But when you when you have to do that, one of the big screen things with bubble screens and tunnel screens and whatever other, you know, there's tons of different sorts of screens. There's even middling screens where you got to where the line pulls up and in, in front of the center. You know, there's just tons of stuff you can do, and one of the big things for that is having to be athletic. And if, and you know, you can go through the years of Oregon offensive linemen coming into the league, going back to even Kyle long, you know, they've always been pretty high level athletes. There was Tyrell Crosby, I think two years ago who tested really well, but hasn't really panned out. You know, you can go down the line and they've always done one thing at Oregon with their offensive linemen. They've always been athletic probably because of the scheme that they run. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a necessity when you run that many screens, you know, like you're saying, you need to have offensive linemen who can move around, who can, you know, potentially get to that second level and can chase down uh, linebackers or defensive backs in space. And I feel like that's something that I think has absolutely helped Panay Sewell, uh, just his ability mm-hmm. to get absolutely. out of space. And, you know, tying in that, uh, that debate about length and arm length and stuff. Yeah, I mean, he isn't necessarily as tall as we would have hoped and his arms maybe aren't as long as we would expected but ultimately it comes down to whether he's able to like seal off that arc for in uh for opposing edge rushers and he can do that he can get there uh with just his athleticism coming out uh and just adjusting his set point and taking those precise angles i feel like that's something he can do very well and truth be told i've always heard that 34 inches is the benchmark for offensive tackles granted i haven't done as much in-depth look on that myself as Neither I, have I. I thought 32 i might I might be misremembering so 34 could be the number and i think he, whatever it was he is the one that just he literally hit the threshold so let's see. yeah i feel like Arm length, I mean, obviously it helps, and we're going to – We might both be wrong. I think it's 33. I think 32-33 is like the threshold for being a tackle before they got to kick you inside. Yeah. 34 is the ideal, I think is what it is. Okay, yeah, because I remember – Just to clear that up for our listeners. Yeah, I think it was 2019. uh, People were talking about Jonah Williams and his arm length. Mm -hmm. Now that I remember, I think he just made it in as 33 and like a quarter inch or something like that. And everyone's like, oh, maybe he's going to kick into guard. Uh, 
but you know, that wasn't the case. So, and again, I don't have that in front of me, but I do feel like from a pure arm length perspective, yeah, it helps. And we're obviously going to be talking about some more offensive tackles uh, later on in the show here uh, who have that arm length in spades. I know there's one guy in particular that I'm sure you want to get to uh, just a little foreshadowing there. The small school guy is pretty big, uh, but yeah, yeah. I feel like Panay Sewell, it's not a huge issue for me. And, no, it's not. It's yeah. it's like whatever. It's kind of, I think the arm issue thing. So the arm issue thing for me at length, so when we go forward talking more after we go through our, our different positions and whatnot leading up to the draft, you there there's a rule I think that used to be very much the truth when it comes to line play. You either have to be athletic enough to get to the spot or long enough to get to the spot. You, if you have both, that's great. And there are a select few guys, think Trent Williams coming out of Oklahoma State years ago, who was big enough and strong enough and long enough to get there, but also just supremely athletic enough. Um, you know, is Sewell the most generational offensive tackle I've ever seen coming out of college? No. Is he really, really good? Yes, and I also – understand I'm the guy that if you go back through my timeline I'm also the guy who said he's a very good offensive line offensive tackle prospect but I also said he might be a generational guard prospect now that take that for how you will it's not saying I dislike him as a as a tackle I'm just saying he might be better as a guard but I would only do that if he proves to you at a certain point that he just isn't meant to be a tackle in this league now I guess moving forward to the other guy that that sits atop the class is Rayshon Slater. Again, I, I I don't know how else to explain it other than a really overused term. He's a technician. Everything yeah. he does is just he's basically if you if you're an offensive tackle in high school and you want to get recruited and you want to see how to play the position, you put on Rayshon Slater and say, "Do that." Like, <laughs> like, there's no other way to describe. It. He's just he's Again, another guy I think might be better as a guard because he is a little bit smaller, but he's your he is a standout tackle prospect, and you're not pushing these guys in unless they prove they can't do it at the NFL level. It's the same idea as you know you heard people talking about when Quentin Nelson came out of Notre Dame as we alluded to earlier. People were like, "Is he good enough to play tackle?" Probably, but are you going to take a Hall of Fame guard prospect and kick him outside and make him maybe just an above average tackle? Who knows? Yeah, and I feel like with Rashawn Slater, it's actually uh, funny you mentioned that with Panay Sewell, where he can be a very good tackle, maybe an even better guard. That's where I'm at with Rashawn Slater right now because I, I actually projected him as a guard for a while. I recently made the switch and put him back at tackle uh, because I look at that position and I see a lot of translatable traits uh, and just his athleticism, his ability to move. Uh, that technique, I feel like, especially blocking on the move uh, in those condensed spaces, uh, technique is huge. He, so, and, he, and you're absolutely right. He might thrive better in a phone booth, be, booth because of his technique. Yeah, and I feel like to that point, uh, we're look, we look back at last year's offensive tackle class, which was also really good. Mm-hmm. People were saying potentially, is Tristan Wirfs going to move out? Uh, into guard is Jedrick Wills going to move back into guard because if I recall correctly they didn't have uh, elite physical like size measurements but right. both of them have played at tackle Wills had a really good rookie year Tristan Wirfs was incredible as rookie year and both of them stayed at tackle 
So with that in mind, I do think both of them will stay at tackle. Sure, you can move them at guard, and I feel like that's definitely a possibility. Uh, but I think that tackle is where you'll play them at the next level until, like you said, until, until they, they pr- prove points. otherwise. Right, Absolutely. exactly. Um, and then I guess, so we, we've spent a little bit of time on the big guys. I mean, I mean I'm just – forgive me. I'm pulling up my numbers, which is the uh, Apple equivalent of Excel, um, just to pull up some some of my – thoughts and processes and stuff so moving on i guess it's obviously this is my most updated that i released but i've you know i'm just like you i'm sure you move guys around as you rewatch and watch yeah as of this moment in time my third best tackle in the draft i do still have is christian derisaw um and and something i would i want to put out here for for anyone and everyone listening you will hear me say I think he's a right tackle only guy. I was notorious in, in saying that I felt that about Trent Brown a couple years ago coming out of Oklahoma, saying that I thought he was a right tackle only. Obviously this year when Ronnie Stanley went down and he filled in, he was very apt at being a left tackle in this league and can clearly do it. I am not saying this as a bad thing. In today's NFL, a right tackle is just as valuable as a left tackle. You need to have guys to protect the edge because it's it, if you do that, you're making life harder on the on the on the edge rushers and giving him a clean giving the quarterback a clean pocket to step into. It's just that simple. It's a very easy thing. So I know when you hear that, some people tend to think, "Well, you're pigeonholing him this, that, the other." But uh, t- Christian Derisaw is a guy or as a player from Virginia tech university, six, five, he's 315 pounds. And he might be the most for my eye, at least the most explosive tackle in this class in terms of just of how he's able to get out and go. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like when watching Christian Darisaw's tape, athleticism is a huge thing that stands out to me. And I'm a sucker for athletic offensive linemen tackles, especially. And I feel like watching Darisaw's tape, he has that in spades, just his ability to, you know, burst coming out of his stance and that initial first step or two that he has in pass protection, I really like. Uh, And then his ability to accelerate, climb to the second level. I feel like that's Mm -hmm. something that uh, is really helpful, especially in like that zone type of scheme. Uh, I feel like just that ability to move and, you know, work off of guys. I feel like that's something athleticism can come in handy. And I have him as my OT3 as well. So I'm absolutely with you there. I think he can be, uh, it could be a top 15 pick when it's all said and done in this class. He, he could be. And I initially thought he was going to be top 25 ish, but you know, when you start testing and you see the size and, and the, so you'll hear both Jacob and I probably refer to things in this draft as he really well put together or really set spaced out. Well, Darisaw is a, a put together human being. He is thick and muscular throughout his frame. He's got long arms. He's big and strong and fast. Could he play left tackle? Sure, but I believe he only, to my knowledge and what I've watched, he's only ever played right tackle at Virginia Tech. So I would be more comfortable leaving him there, similarly to a guy who's become almost like a darling in this class in Tevin Jenkins. So I, I've i got my own thoughts on Tevin Jenkins. I know he's gotten a lot of run, especially since our buddy EJ Snyder and his, his co-host of the bootleg football count, Brett Coleman, uh, brought up the fact that they think he is this 
probably one of the two or three best or probably the third best tackle in their eyes, you know, and that's what the draft is. We all have different evaluating practices and whatnot. I've got questions about Jenkins in terms of who was he lined up against, I guess would be the best way to put it. Like he's, he played some good players like specifically against like Oklahoma and uh, Texas when they played, oh, what's the edge defender from Texas? I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Joseph Osai. Joseph Osai. Um, and he, he did he did well, but I just have questions because the Big 12 is notoriously just offense and high-flying, throw the ball, get the ball in the end zone, get, you know, do your best to stop him, if not do it again. So he's got tons of – he's got tons of experience in pass protection, and he's another guy – he's another player that – um he's angry <laughs> like um I'm, I'm reminded of a story to kind of switch gears on sports the bulls have had a player they drafted named bobby portis who's now playing for the milwaukee bucks but he um you, he said in order to get revved up for games he would picture people insulting or physically assaulting his mother because of this is the mindset he had to be in yeah <laughs> it's like that's kind of what i think like is happening like or you can go back to um I think it was big John Henderson of the Jacksonville Jaguars who would have the trainer slap him in the face before going <laughs> onto the field. Cause he couldn't play unless he tasted blood in his mouth. Oh, like geez. there's just, there's just something different about Tevin Jenkins. And he is, a, he's a very explosive athlete, I think. And you can watch that, especially with his, his first kick step out where he takes this really long exaggerated right t- kick step out and he sets himself versus where some guys take like the shorter gather step and kick out further to like reestablish. So Tevin Jenkins, the way he does that is it's a little bit, I wouldn't say strange, but just a bit uncommon. It's just not a typical way people do things. Yeah. I feel like with Tevin Jenkins, I mean, athleticism, at least on tape, isn't necessarily his calling card. I feel like he's very much, a guy who wins with strength, a guy who wins with nastiness. He's more a guy who's going to lock you up and then shove you into the ground than your, you know, typical finesse offensive tackle. And I I feel like he's not a bad athlete. I don't want to say that because there are absolutely offensive tackles who aren't as athletic as he is, but he has a a bit of a unique approach in, in, Uh, pass protection and just his footwork and the angles that he takes there so I feel like it kind of makes up for the lack of elite burst that he has coming out I feel like it's not necessarily as uh, explosive as a guy like a Christian Derrissaw or a Samuel Cosme you know guys who have that raw top-notch athleticism so I feel like Tevin Jenkins has to win a little bit more with uh, being more precise in his footwork and then once he get, mm-hmm. get that done, once he's able to figure that out, then he can just lock you down because there are very few edge rushers, at least on tape that we saw, uh, that were able to truly test him from a power perspective. Yeah, it's and it's not like, again, we're not saying he played nothing but bums, but it's hard yeah. to get a gauge when Joseph Osai is probably the benchmark of who you played. Yeah, although I will say, though, I remember watching him against Oklahoma. Uh, Ronnie Perkins did Ronnie Perkins. Him- yeah, Ronnie Perkins gave him a hard time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you brought him up at, at a point. I did have Sam Cosme as OT one in this class. Um, really? 
I did. Yeah. Um, he's since been knocked down to, I believe I have him at six right now. Yeah. Six. Okay. Um, it's nothing against him, but there was, um, I guess it's not entirely true. I guess there are some circulating rumors that there's maybe an alcohol issue with Sam Cosme. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I, it remains unfounded. I want that to be completely clear. I have no I've just seen it circulated a couple times. There's no actual backing of this kid having any issue. I don't want to slander his name, anything like that. But Cosme, the thing that I notice about him is the fluidity in which he moves. Like, yeah. whereas something like when Darasaw moves, it's like, I'm going to pound it. I'm going to explode and, and release and go. Yeah. Versus Cosme's almost like an easy mover. Like, everything he does just looks really like like almost butter with how smooth it is it's yeah just, everything's so easy looking for him and for a guy that size it shouldn't be that way like exactly because like he's, he's what he's like six seven i want to yeah he's six seven and he's here let me pull up his ras page you'll you'll hear me bring this up a lot just because i i do like just the it's a quick little all-in-one like, oh, this is it. Samuel Cosme. R-A-S. Okay. So <laughs> Cosme scored a perfect 10 out of 10. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course he did. He ran a 487 40 yard dash at six five and or six just short of six six. So he's six five and five eighths, three hundred and fifteen pounds. He hit two twenty-five thirty-six times. He had a <laughs> He had a 30 inch vert and a nine foot ten broad. <laughs> okay. Bananas. So and his short shuttle was four three nine. His three cone was nine six two. Okay. So for anyone listening out there, <laughs> he's a cartoon character, is what he is. He's not real. Um so before I get into why I had him at offensive tackle one, why don't you delve into it and I'll let you just do what you do. Yeah. So with Samuel Cosme, uh, I was in that same boat. I feel like he's such a fluid athlete and his movements are, he's almost kind of like a power forward uh, at the offensive tackle position, just the way that he moves, just his lateral quickness and how fluid he looks. I mean, you know, exploding out of his stance. Yeah. It's not the same type of explosiveness as Christian Darisaw where, you know, Daniel, like you mentioned where he, you know, fire out and I want to pummel you into the ground. I feel like Samuel Cosme is a bit more of a finesse guy for sure. Uh, but overall, I think that just the athleticism that he brings, how easy he moves in pass protection. And I'm going to mention this uh, probably several times uh, in the course of this episode alone, but I really like offensive tackles who can move well, because I feel like that's where the NFL is trending right now with, you know, how pass heavy it is in most circumstances. I feel like an athletic offensive tackle is a really valuable asset. And if you have a guy like Cosme who can move as well as he can, uh, I mean, sure. He can get a little bit stronger. I mean, he had an incredible bench press, but I feel like his anchor strength can improve a little bit uh, and he can get a little bit lower and getting his weight underneath him at the point of attack. But ultimately so, you're, you're looking at a really good athlete. So with a guy like him, when you get to that six, 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 seven range, 
you almost wonder if they're bordering on getting to that too tall point because then you have a lot more frame to fill out. And then you've got, so that, you know, means slenderer legs, smaller, smaller trunk, longer arms, less longer torso. So it's just a lot more to fill. And it's not a bad thing. Cosme is pretty well put together. I wouldn't say he's like, I don't think of Christian Derisaw when I look at him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) but he, he is, I, I agree with you. He could afford to, to, to put on a little more weight to help with his anchor strength. I also wonder what he could do in terms of working on the finer points of his, of his kick step slide. He's more of a waist bender than he is knee, like sinking, sinking his hips and and bending his knees, which it, when you're that, when you're that upper body strong, as he clearly is as evident by the bench press number and have those long arms and, just the size he has, you're you're gonna be prone to that because you can almost you can almost one arm him where you reach and you kind of just yeah just just get a hand on him and then then gravitate with the other hand. Like I said, at one point I did have him as offensive tackle one because there's a I'll be the first one to tell you I think majority of these numbers you see coming out in terms of forty times and whatnot are a little bit skewed we'll say fabricated yeah so but the baseline is whatever the number is add 0.07 to it so with cosme 487 494 that's still really good it's absurd for a guy that size still um i mean i and and the thing is that plays on tape you watch him and it's just he's the best athlete on the line at any given point absolutely and it's just so hard to ignore that. And it, he, he does have the added benefit of going against a guy like Joseph Osai every single day in practice. So if, if I'm going to knock, you know, if I'm going to knock other guys for big 12 competition, I got to knock Cosme for it. The difference is he has someone in his, in on his own team that he can go against every day in practice. Yeah. So He's knocked down a bit just because I'm not sure if he's kind. I'm not sure if he's scheme diverse. I think he might just be relegated to outside zone sort of stuff because of his athleticism and his weak anchor. I, I wouldn't trust him to gap or power. Yeah, I wouldn't like power scheme. Like I, I think he's kind of almost limited to an outside zone because he is a little. Like I said, he's he's got a long torso, long leg. He is a thinner at 315 pounds, a thinner offensive tackle at six foot seven. So he has room to grow. Will he grow? Maybe it might be harder for that frame to get filled out the way that he wants that, that NFL teams would like him to, but we'll see. Yeah. I feel like that uh, outside zone is actually a perfect fit for Cosme. Cause we mentioned, you know, that ability to move, I feel like would suit him super well. Uh, and that reach that he has those long arms, Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter as much if he's a little bit thinner in his lower half because of just his ability to lock out guys with how long his arms are and his ability to move. I feel like that would absolutely help him. And you're right. I don't think Cosme is this uh, scheme transcendent type of offensive tackle. Uh, I can, I can say like a Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater could fit in just about any scheme. I can't really say that about Sam Cosme, 
but that's not a, necessarily a knock on the guy. It's just the way his skill set is. Uh, I have him at uh, tackle five right now. Okay, so you have him a little higher than I do. A little bit. And I, I think he's a quality second round guy. I feel like he honestly might be getting undervalued in uh, national circles because I see him going like mid late second round. I'd be mm-hmm. comfortable taking him near the back end of the first just because of his upside. As would I. I, I'd be yeah, comfortable yeah. with him there. Um, I guess. So my current offensive tackle four is actually Jalen Mayfield. Okay. Um, I don't know. I just, I watch him and I just feel like you, in a sense, and I hate saying this almost because it, it almost devalues things or overvalues things, but off, but Michigan offensive linemen typically translate even going back to last year, you look at who came out with, you know, John Runyon Jr. and, and Mike, Michael Unwinu, where they, they came in and immediately helped. And, and then you, so you then figure in Jalen Mayfield is a better prospect. Um, and what, something that I noticed about him with how he plays, he is strong, not overly so, but he's a, he's a good, not great athlete. I think he is, for what everything that Cosme's not, I think Mayfield can play both schemes and you could even have the diversity of if, if you took him in the back end of round one, but you didn't need a tackle, I think you could play him at garden. I don't think he would care. I think he just wants to play football. Yeah. I I've heard some people say that Jalen Mayfield could fit as a guard of the next level. Uh, I am projecting him tackle, but I feel like absolutely. He's the type of guy you just draft uh, not necessarily considering need and just considering, okay, we need an offensive lineman. Here's a guy who can play just about anywhere. We'll fit him in wherever. Uh, and then he'd do well. I feel like he's a little bit more athletic. I mean, at, at least from what you mentioned, I feel like there are more athletic guys in this class, but I don't think he's bad. I feel like he's pretty coordinated and he's got solid enough, you know, acceleration to the second level. But I agree. I feel like he's the type of guy he can fit guard or tackle in just about any scheme because he's strong. And I feel like that there's a difference there between uh, and, for, and Cosme. And for everything like we were talking about with Cosme and guys like that, for as much as he's not ex- – I don't think he's overly explosive, but I think he's a good athlete. And I think he's good in a short area and he's good at getting into his pass set and getting and getting himself ready to block. Yeah. He's got, a, he's got really strong. And so, but at the same time, when you're comparing him to someone like Cosme, he is very strong in his base and he, he's got really strong sets and he's got this, these big strong legs and he's able to, to, ju- to hold himself when he does come up against a good power rusher who can, you know, you'll hear those terms convert speed to power. And when you factor in when he's playing for everything, the big 12 is not in producing pass rushers. The big Ten's the antithesis where they have pass rushers and edge defenders out the wazoo because they, that's what the big 10 does. They run the football and they, they attack the passer. You know, it's just how the conferences are made. Yeah. I mean that big 10 style of play, uh, it's a bit nastier than some of those other conferences, especially like the big 12 or the pac 12, uh, where it's a bit more now, like something oriented, I want yep. to say. Yeah. And the thing I will tell you is for as good as his, his lateral short area mobility is. And I, I think his, he's plenty long enough. He is green. Yeah. He doesn't have a ton of 
playing time under his belt. And he, he was forced to, to mature in a hurry and be ready for a team that, you know, I, I guess most people would tell you that the, uh, the, the Wolverines have been underachieving for the most part under, under Jim Harbaugh. But I think he's, you know, he's, he's plenty fine. I, I have no issue with Mayfield and I actually really, really like him as similar to how you were saying, I would have no qualms taking him late round one or even early high two, which really speaks to this class where you could make the argument. You could see potentially five, six, maybe even seven offensive tackles going. Will it happen? Probably not. No, but you could make the argument where when you really look at the top end of it, it's just like, Holy crap. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Like there are a lot of offensive tackles I think are on that borderline, uh, I could see them going late first round, you know, will they go there again? Like you said, that might be a different story, but there are a lot of guys, you know, we're talking like Samuel Cosme, Jalen Mayfield. uh, I'm not sure how you feel about other guys, but like Dylan Raddins, guys like that. So I was actually just going to ask you how you felt about him. Yeah. I am a fan of his. Uh, I feel like, Obviously, not having a 2020 season, being a small school guy, might naturally hurt his stock a little bit. But I'm not as concerned about his ability to translate to the next level just because we saw him at the Senior Bowl, very little signs of rust, no signs of rust, honestly. Uh, And obviously, that's not the give and take of, you know, success at the NFL Mm -hmm. level, but it did help. And I look at Dylan Reddins, I see another guy kind of in that mold to Sam Cosme, where he's a little bit thinner in his lower half he's not as uh, thickly built as a guy like Jalen Mayfield might be but I feel like he's a bit more polished which is a little bit weird to say because he him being a small school guy you'd figure that Jalen Mayfield coming from Michigan would have the better uh, hand usage or the better pad level and I think Radden's uh, is better mm-hmm. in both of those honestly and he's another one of those guys might be scheme transcendent I do like him a bit better in zone in his outside zone sort of situation where you can utilize his mobility and just how, you know, his coordination. Uh, but I feel like you can play him just about anywhere. And I think he'll go second round. Uh, but I really wouldn't be too mad at a team if they went with him like really late in the first round, just because of that upside factor. I agree, but it's funny how, again, this is where you start seeing the difference in eyes. When I watch him, I see a power zone, a power right a power a power set right tackle now i will openly admit that was also i a lot of my notes on him were prior to his pro day testing where he tested way better than i thought his tape showed and maybe that is just because of what north dakota state runs and what they do but you know it's just one of those things i was watching him like i just think he's a i think he's a a power gap or a power scheme right tackle now it's not a bad thing, but definitely not. You know, it's just one of those things. It's, it just, I guess I was just bringing it up because it goes to show what, you know, you can watch the same guys and see something different. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the, the thing is like you and I don't really disagree on much of anything. I, especially what I've been noticing talking here and talking in the past uh, is that we're on, you know, this, a similar level for a lot of different guys. Uh, so to be able to talk like, you know, 
look at that and say, okay, you know, there's a little bit of difference of opinion here. I definitely see where you're coming from with that. I mean, we saw a lot of uh, North Dakota state's offense is, I guess you want to say pro style, which admittedly, I feel like the definition of an NFL offense is changing uh, more and more by the year. Uh, But if you're looking for a bit more of that power gap type of scheme, I feel like uh, Dylan Reddins could fit there. He's proven he can. And I, I do agree. I feel like he's a better fit as a right tackle at the next level, but I feel like he can play left uh, if need be. So overall, though, I think you're getting a good quality starter along the offensive line for sure. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Absolutely. So in that same vein of the small school we're, I think this is a good time as ever to bring up a guy. I, I have a soft spot for, and that it's again, from that, that I believe it's the, the God, I want to call it the gateway conference. Cause that's what they were when I was there, when I was at SIU, but no, it's the Valley. So yeah. you and I, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's Spencer Brown. And the first thing that pops off is I I'll admit I was late to the Spencer Brown train and it's, it's why it's so funny that I'm so high on him. I didn't really know who he was because <laughs> Dylan Raddins was the, the guy everyone was talking about from the FCS at the tackle position. And then we got to the, the, the measurements at the senior bowl and good God almighty, <laughs> here comes this kid, Spencer Brown, and he's six foot nine, 312 pounds with an 83 inch wingspan, 34 inch arms and 10 and a half inch hands. Oh, and it's just one of those things like you're, I'm going through there and I'm watching and I'm looking at him getting weighed in. And I was just like, what is that behemoth (laughs) in Mobile, Alabama? What is that thing? (laughs) And you're just, you can't help but like you, it's not like bad things that I'm saying. It's just, he's huge. And you're, you're like, holy God, Lord. And I go back and I start watching him and I will be the first one to tell you he's either going to be really, really, really good or he'll be out of the league in like four years. And I just don't know how else to say that without just sounding like an idiot. Um, he, again, too, probably a bit too tall, but he's really, really well put together. Needs to add more weight to anchor well, but he plays with a nastiness and he, he pushes people around and he gets his hands on guys, which I know sounds really stupid, but you will watch linemen occasionally, especially at the FCFs level who just let guys get into their body and let them get pushed around. So he, he extends and he pushes, he, he initiates contact before you initiate with him. And 
he 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 actually makes really good use for a guy who's really not a tremendous athlete because he is so large and almost clunky but he is able to reroute players and and really use that that gift of strength and that that mentality he plays with to win yeah absolutely i feel like yeah i just i don't i really like him it's probably because of the nasty edge and just oh my god he's huge yeah (laughs) yeah i think that you mentioned that uh just the overall usage of his hands uh he doesn't like guys in his frame and that's something i love watching him uh because one he's massive he's freaking ginormous uh but he's also a nasty guy. And I feel like that's, you know, a combination that some guys don't have where they have good raw power, but they don't necessarily have that elite, like nasty edge to them. And I feel like that's something Spencer Brown has uh, just the willingness to want to drive guys into the dirt. Uh, and he's a good athlete too. I mean, we saw his pro day uh, came away with a four, nine, four, 40 yard dash uh, four, four shuttle time, a six, nine, six, uh, three cone drill. And he put up 29 reps in the bench press, which is tough to do for a guy who's, you know, six, eight, uh, listed, you know, earlier at six, nine, you have that long of arms. It's tougher to bench press, uh, just cause you have, it, you have to go all the way down with it. Yeah. And, you know, it's much easier to do it when you're a little bit more compact like that, but doesn't matter to Spencer Brown because he's, you know, a freak of nature it seems like and is he raw i think absolutely <laughs> yes very raw very raw and if you're taking him you're gonna want to be patient with him because there are a lot of aspects of the fundamentals and the technical aspects of offensive tackle play that he doesn't necessarily have yet but if you can get your hands on him put him in a good system I feel like he could really thrive and I totally agree. He's either going to be really good or out of the league in four years. When do teams want to take a shot at that? I don't know. I feel like it could be pretty high though, just because of that upside factor Mm -hmm. alone. Yeah. And now to kind of jump back to a completely different like mold lately, Notre Dame has been an offensive line factory. You go back to, you go back to, you know, Quentin Nelson, uh, the right tackle, whose name I'm drawing a blank on in San Francisco. Um, McGlinchey, Mike McGlinchey. McGlin- Mike McGlinchey, Ronnie Stanley in Baltimore. Uh, there's just a lot of Notre Dame offensive linemen, and that could be, you know, you could credit it to the old offensive line coach there who coached for the Bears. You could just credit it to how how uh, Brian Kelly recruits. Um, but Liam Eichenberg is a, is a player I think is not sexy – and, yeah, I mean, and and like, and I mean, that is like, in a good way. Like, the it's hard for linemen to quote unquote be sexy at all. Like, it's just because <laughs> you don't get no credit for anything. But Eichenberg is just plug and play right tackle. Like, here he is. He's slow, but he's strong. He's he yeah. <laughs> he he kind of just is. It sounds it's he's an out of the box, right tackle. Like, Oh, here he, here he is. He's his, he's in his box, take him out, put him there. He was right tackle and he'll start for five to six years. There he is. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I don't really want to like degrade it and make it seem like there's nothing to talk about, but there's like with him there, it's a solid second, third round pick maybe. Yeah. Who 
it's just not sexy. Like I don't yeah. know, know how else to explain him. He's he's good, not great. He's strong. He he does he is a pretty decent technician for everything he lacks athletically. Yeah. I don't I don't really want him in a zone scheme because he's clunky. Like, yeah. <laughs> but he, he's fine. Like whatever. Yeah, you're, you're you're drafting a starter, I think, when you take him though, which is cool. Like it's a good pick. Exactly, and like he's the type of guy you can he can start for a while in the league. Will he ever be great? I don't know, but I do feel pretty confident that he's going to be good at the very least. Which offensive tackles are pretty tough to come by, like good. Exactly. So that makes me think you know he will go pretty high. I don't think. He's a first round guy. I know people were talking about that at one point. I oh, never really saw it just because he, he's not athletic enough. He's not athletic enough. And that limits his upside tremendously. Uh, just, I feel like his uh, lateral movements and his overall body control, I feel, you know, kind of lack, but he's strong. He uses his hands. Well, he's intelligent. He's, he, he, he operates within himself. Like there's something to be said for operating within what you know how to do. And exactly. that's what he does. He's <laughs> like, <laughs> I say, I know it sounds like it's so bad. Like I'm almost ragging on him for just being who he is, but that's a <laughs> good thing. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, cool. Whatever. He's here's Liam Eikenberg. Ha- have fun and <laughs> move on. Move along. Yep. <laughs> you got a good starter for however many years. Don't have to worry about that. I mean, it's not the sexiest pick by any means. And you take him, it's going to be like, oh, okay, we got a tackle. Cool. Uh, but he, he's going to – I feel pretty confident he'll be solid in the league. Uh, it's just a matter of if he's ever going to be great. In that case, I don't know. But he's good, though. I'll give him that. He's a good player. Yeah, good. And there's nothing wrong with just being good. Not every prospect's going to be this guy you're going to fawn over. Um, I guess moving on to a guy that his – RAS made me look real bad and I really liked him and I thought he was this great athlete on tape and I really need to go back and rewatch him because I'm probably wrong based on how he tested but I really thought a, a team getting James Hudson in like the third or fourth round might have had a chance to be picking the best tackle in the draft and then he went out and tested at his pro day and gave me a nice big old shit burger to eat and I, <laughs> I just I don't appreciate that James <laughs> uh, here I am standing for you everywhere I can and you go out and do that. So yeah. let me put this out there. James Hudson on tape. I thought while raw looked like he had every bit of what you wanted as a premier left tackle, if you were willing to wait. Yeah. Cause he's six, five. I want to say, let me, let me go pull up his. Yeah. He's six foot. Six foot, just short of six five, six foot four and a half. He's three hundred and fifteen pounds. He he only did two twenty five, twenty two times, and then it gets really ugly from there. Five twenty seven, five point two seven unofficial forty, four seven nine shuttle, eight point oh five three cone. He only vert he he had a decent vert twenty eight and a half inches, and he broad jumped sh- just over eight feet. Woof. Yeah, like it in every it tell. And it just goes to show, I thought guys like Raddins just didn't look great athletically on tape. And I thought Hudson looked like a guy who was unbelievably athletic and just needed time to be worked with. Yeah. 
And it just goes to show you how your eyes can deceive you. And I still think Hudson can end up a good player. Might he be better suited at guard with when you could factor in those testing numbers? Yeah, because I honestly thought when I was watching Hudson, I saw shades of what I thought was Dwayne Brown in Houston and Seattle watching him. You know, a little bit softer bodied, but really good athlete, you know, had room to fill out. And that that was my quote unquote guy, for lack of a better term. And May, I, I'll admit I, I probably have to go back and rewatch him because I haven't since that came out that that since those numbers came out because it kind of took the wind out, out of my sails on him, and I don't know I just I figured we should cover it because he we you know we're not always right on what we think we see, but it just, that just that was a gut punch for me because it's like you're I'll admit offensive tackle is not my best eval spot and this is that just one where it's like I thought I was so right and here I am with this, these numbers and the versus the tape and just the completely it's two ends of the spectrum. Yeah. And I was with you there. I mean, I wasn't as high on Hudson as you were coming out. Uh, but I do feel like I thought he was a good athlete on tape, that, <laughs> stood out to me, which I was really surprised, you know, putting up a five, three, four, like I thought, okay, this guy's going to run like a, a five flat or like a five, one or something and put together, you know, a solid performance. Uh, but that pro day, even in that sort of setting where t- uh, you kind of tend to skewer the numbers a little bit there, uh, he still didn't put up a great performance, which was surprising to me. I thought he looked pretty uh, mobile on tape. That was something that I liked, uh, just his ability to, you know, accelerate and uh, both in a straight line climbing the second level and as well as I thought know, he was, I thought he was a zone left tackle. That's what I thought yeah. he was. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. That's like, what that's what I thought too. I mean, I, I watch him and absolutely, I feel like he's you know pretty raw. Uh, you mentioned that term, a uh, waist bender versus knee bender. I thought he was a bit of a waist bender more because uh, mm-hmm. he can't really get super low, and I feel like his weight distribution was a little bit off. Like I don't know if you've noticed this. I feel like he leans over a little bit too much. Like I, he almost kicks his ass out before he does yeah. anything else. Yeah. 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 But I just, I felt, I, I guess I literally just fell in love with the idea of could be versus yeah. what looking what he was. Cause I saw certain plays where it's like, he's getting out to the second level on an end around or whatever it might be. And he's running step for step with someone, but you know, maybe he, there are guys that just play better on tape. Maybe he's one of those players. Maybe he's not, I don't know. Only time will tell, but that went from, he's probably a, a player who went from, three or four to might get him five or six now yeah because that testing was so egregiously bad yeah and i i don't know exactly with him because i i entered not super duper high on him and then i watched him at the senior bowl and i'm like okay uh i can still see this guy's raw but i was a really big fan of how he performed and then he went to the pro day and then put together you know a pretty average day so i don't know exactly where i stand with him i feel like he's a guy, you know, take a shot on in the fourth round. Uh, you know, if he falls to the fifth, I'd still definitely take him just Absolutely. because of his tape was, uh, but yeah, I agree. I think it was kind of disappointing. Uh, I actually have one guy that I kind of want to bring up real quick. If you don't do mind, it, because we'll make this the last tackle and then we'll move on to somebody else. Yeah. And then we can, you know, dig in other situations. But one guy that I'm really happy I watched pretty late in my tape watching process 
uh, Stone Forsyth out of Florida. Uh, this dude, he measured in on his pro day at six foot eight flat, and he ran a 5.13 40 yard dash and put up a 7.47 three cone drill, which is insane to me just because he's so big. Uh, and I, I'm not going to go super deep into him because I know we got a lot of guys we want to talk about here, but Stone Forsyth is actually the last offensive lineman I watched, and I'm really happy I watched him just because he's a powerful dude. He's a massive dude, and I think he's an absolute wrecking ball of a human being. So I just wanted to give him a quick little shout out here before we move on because I feel like he hasn't been talked about a lot. Uh, Buzz is picking up a little bit around him. I think he could go a lot higher than uh, even I realized uh, just like a week or two yeah. ago. So the uh, to your in that same vein, a guy I'll bring up that I really, really was wishing wasn't hurt or missing or opting out of seasons, and that's that's Walker Little. Yeah, where the argument can be made of the tape when he's healthy, he you could make the argument he's the best tackle in this class, but he's hurt. He's older now. He opted out. Yeah, three my, strikes, man. Yeah. Like he's he was gonna be a first round tackle, like, and he got hurt in nineteen. He opted out of twenty. Six seven three ten. I just I. I really wanted to see him play, and I I think some teams going to take him in the second or third round and get themselves a steal if they're if he's healthy. Yeah, and I feel like if he was, uh, if he didn't have those injury concerns and he was able to play uh, in twenty twenty, then absolutely I feel like we're looking at a first round guy. Heck, if he didn't get hurt uh, back in twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. I feel like he'd be in the NFL already. Because yeah, remember back uh, prior to that twenty nineteen season everyone was talking about him as a first round guy. And now we look at him, you know, late day two type of guy. I feel like there's a lot to like there. It's just a matter of if you can overlook those concerns, Mm -hmm. if you can prove to teams that he's still that guy, he was back in that 2018 tape, which I mean, I think he can be, I I think he will be uh, that high caliber guy at the next level. It's just a matter of if teams are willing to overlook some of those concerns, which there's a lot there, but if you're willing to take a shot on a guy, absolutely, I feel like it's worth yep. a shot. So, what do you say to this proposal before we move on? What if we make this the exterior lineman where we do edge defenders next, and then we okay. get them? We give another episode either later this week or earlier next week for we'll go interior. We'll go we'll go big uglies twice, and give the people exactly what they need and want. Because- I like that a lot. I feel like one episode doesn't do the hog molly's enough service. And absolutely. Uh, we did, you know, talked a lot about offensive tackle. I feel like it's only fair. Uh, give well, just given how deep the class is. I mean, and then you factor in, I forget who it is off the top of my head, but cause you know, you have so many names running through your head at any given point, but there's a, I think it's the, Oh, who is it? He's like a 25 year old prospect. What is his name? Uh, yeah, it'll come to me later, but whatever. I'm trying to think. He's like a 25-year-old from like Washington or something who's like a really highly regarded prospect, and I just can't think of his name, but he's 25. And it's like uh, – I'm trying to th- – it wouldn't be one of the BYU guys, right? That's it. It is the BYU kid. It's the BYU left tackle. Um, uh, Brady Christensen. Brady Christensen, who I know our, our friend of the show, EJ uh, Snyder, is very high on. And I, I went back and watched him. You know, we're all allowed our, our own opinion. He's good. I worry that he's 25. Yeah. (laughs) 
like how much upside is left there, but let's move on. Let's go, let's go to our edge defenders for the remaining 15, 20 minutes that we got here. So let me, before we actually get into names and some, some quick breakdowns, I think this edge class kind of reeks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I, and I hate saying that because it's between edge rushers and quarterbacks, edge rushers, interior rushers, and the guys that protect the quarterback. So tackle interior rusher, exterior edge rusher quarterback and the guys that protect are your most important positions on the field with cornerbacks slowly keep creeping up on all those guys yeah this draft just it's like Uh, i could make the argument micah parsons would be the best edge rusher in this class and he doesn't even play edge yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) like I don't get me wrong. I feel like there's talent in this edge class and there are guys who can be solid starters, but are, how many guys can really be elite pass rushers? I'm not sold that there are more than like one or two. One, maybe if you're yeah. being nice. Exactly. I mean, up until probably a month ago, I, and I know this is going to make people very upset given his reputation on draft Twitter. I had Greg Russo as edge one up until probably a month ago. And I think it's become almost in vogue to penalize for guys that haven't played because we can keep going over the same tape over and over again. And it becomes almost paralysis by over analysis. Greg Russo is raw. I'm not going to sit here and, and, and defend that, but he's also, he was also productive, albeit in some cleanup work during the 19 season. I mean, He's easy to hate on, but I, I, you could argue he's got the best, one of the better ceilings in the class. He, I wish his testing was better, but he's, you know, whatever. He, he's a guy I think is, who's almost become underappreciated for a class that isn't that great. Yeah, and I agree. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I still have Rousseau as my number one. Wow. I know. I know. Oh no. <laughs> a little contrarian over here. People are going to hunt me down. Uh, they're going to be in your mentions telling you how stupid you are. It's like, oh, what have you not watched Ed Rushers since like August? What's wrong with you? But, you know, I still have him as my edge one. Granted, it's really close. And granted, I don't have a super high grade on him. But I'm just not too high on too many guys in this class. I look at a guy like Gregory Rousseau, uh, is it Rousseau or Rousseau? Rousseau. I, already, I already said Rousseau. That's Rousseau. what I... I think... I th- Yeah. Because I used to say Rousseau with the je, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he is of French descent. I, I have no idea. I, I'm not sure. But regardless of how you pronounce his name, uh, I feel like the tools are there. And it's kind of weird because... I mean, I feel like his pro day testing was pretty evident of how he is on tape i feel like his first step is very good i feel like he's a good athlete off the ball and we saw his you know 10 yard split was uh 157 and he ran a 468 at six foot at six six and a half and 266 pounds so i feel like that was pretty apparent but he's also not super elusive not super well I don't want to say elusive because that's a ball carrier term but just his ability to change direction I feel like is kind of underwhelming I feel like he might be a little bit stiff in the ankles in terms of his ability to change direction but I just look at a guy who's huge and he's fast 
and he played. I like how he uses his arms too. He's yeah. got really, really, really long arms, and he uses people to keep people. He uses them to keep tackles off of him. Yeah, and he's really, really good with that. Yeah, he does a very good job of that, and I feel like, yeah, his hands can stand to be a little bit quicker and diverse, but I feel like just his ability to lock guys out from his frame uh, is particularly impressive to me. And is he going to be a stud? I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of leeway, a lot of room uh, in either direction with most of these edge rushers in this class. But yeah, I still have Rizzo's number one. It's really close, but that's that's just where I'm at right now. Yeah. I feel like there's a high upside there. Um, I mean, that, well, I guess we'll just jump to his teammate then, who everyone seems to have fallen in love with. Um, and that's that i mean there's a couple of them there's quincy roche but that wasn't isn't who i was alluding to i was more getting at jalen phillips yeah who i think it's more i think a lot of his hype is coming from the fact that they're everyone's looking for somebody and i know and i know that there was a video put out by one of the aforementioned brett coleman earlier where he was oh he's a combination of the watt brothers again i disagree yeah, I, I see a, a lot of Whitney Merciless actually when I watch him okay. from who came out of Illinois and played for the Texans majority of his career. And Whitney was a good player, had a really good career, got paid paid once. And, you know, I just don't see someone who's – I just don't see – I think he's a really good edge too. Yeah. Like – and that's fine. Like, he, I don't think he does anything spectacularly well. I think he's a good, I think he's a really good athlete, but I just struggle to see what some people are like wanting to see when they're putting stuff out there. I do like that. He's scheme versatile. Given that size, he can probably put his hand in the dirt in 40 fronts and he can probably stand up in 30 fronts. Yeah. He's got, um, I actually think he's got really good, good feet and good or good ankles and hips in terms of his fluidity. He's not really stiff tipped. He's got some, you know, really good moves. He's got good length. I just think he's kind of in – he's a tweener, and I don't mean that in a bad way. He's just not big enough to stay in the 40 front. He's not small enough to go into coverage all the time. Yeah. So – Yeah. I mean, watching him, I feel like coverage, given his athletic profile isn't a strength – his athletic profile is a strength of his, but dropping back in coverage isn't. So that makes me think, you know, in a base 4-3 – hand in the dirt might be the best fit for him. Uh, but again, I'm not hundred percent sure. Cause there's a lot to like there. I feel like if he was in a four, three, he could bulk up a little bit, very good athlete. First mm-hmm. of all, off the snap, I feel like he's pretty slippery uh, in terms of just the uh, flexibility of his hips. I also like these that he's, a, he's an effort player. He does yeah. bring it every down. Like he's there for you. Absolutely. And I feel like that effort and just how hard he plays shows up in his hands and just, you know, keeping his legs churning. I feel like that's, you know, something stands out to me is just how hard he plays. And, you know, he locks up with a guy at the point of attack, doesn't necessarily give up. He keeps fighting. And even if he doesn't get in the backfield, he doesn't necessarily like stay stagnant, which I like. The big thing I'm concerned about with him is the medicals. Yeah. Yeah. He had, he's had concussion issues that have, they caused him to retire when he was with uh, UCLA medically retire and then he came back and was able to play again and now you know we're looking at him as a potential you know late first early second round pick i think he's gonna go higher than that man the this this league is so starved for pass rushers he's gonna go i think top half maybe back 
top 20 at least. It's possible. I feel like it's possible. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't do it, but I'm just saying when you, especially when you pop on like his NC state tape. Yeah. Like where he was all over. Yeah. Like this, like whatever, man, <laughs> like that, but it's just what the nature of it is. Corp pass rushers get pushed up the board. People that protect the passer get pushed up the board. Passers get pushed up the board. Yeah. So there's that. Let me let me run this by you because I want to see how you feel. I I don't think I think it goes without saying the consensus number one is Quiddy Pay for most people. I you know whatever. I don't yeah. I really don't have a need to touch on him. I actually have Joseph Osai as my edge three, or not Joseph Osai. Sorry, Joe Tryon as my edge three. Okay. Um, again, I think he's getting penalized for not playing, but he's six four, two hundred fifty pounds. I think he's. I think he's schematically a three, four rush backer. I think that's just what he is. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I feel like he's almost become not penalized, but almost like a forgotten man where he is a really good pass rusher. Like go watch his, go watch his California tape in 2019 where he's playing Cal. He's got great burst, really good flexibility to bend the edge. He's really good with his hands and how strong he is. I, it depends on what you really like in terms of run defender, but I think he sets an edge okay and he, he holds his own as a run. I don't think he's anything like a run stopper, quote unquote, but I, he's a lot of effort. You know, we, we, we in Chicago have gotten used to the term heart hustle and muscle. Like he's all, he's all of that. He, yeah. he, he's bringing it to you every down, similar to the way Jalen Phillips is. He's someone I've really come to enjoy now that I've gone back and rewatched him over the past few months. But I think he's best served as like a true, a true off ball outside linebacker in a three, four, who you're just told to pin your ears back and go get him. So he's, he's my edge three. Okay. Yeah. I can get, I can get behind that. Uh, I feel like looking at my, the edge rushers I have on my board right now, uh, my top three, I'll be honest. I have, uh, Brazil one, uh, Zizel Jalari two and Quiddy pay at number three. Okay. Uh, but that four through like 12, I feel like is pretty fluid. Like I have guys, you know, very clearly are in that top tier for me, uh, who can, are kind of interchangeable. I feel like Joe Tryon is definitely up there for me. I think it was Washington state was the first game of his. I really, I liked, and I was like really impressed by, uh, and I agree. I feel like he's a set three, four edge type of guy, uh, stand up and just, you know, go after the quarterback. Uh, he's a fast guy. Uh, I feel like he could get stronger. I feel like just his ability to get low and convert speed to power can be improved, but just the quickness. I think his lower, I think his lower half lacks in, in, in power. I agree. And, and it, I, I think his, his, his upper body strength and his hand strength is all there. Yeah. I just think he, he could do himself some service by getting a little stronger in his lower half. Yeah. Um, I feel like watching him on tape, uh, he, he measured in at uh, 259 pounds at his pro day. I feel like he plays lighter than that. So I feel like he can add a little bit more, uh, wait well, and well, the thing I would be worried about with that is part of the reason I do say he is a three, four only 
linebackers, he is good in space. He can cover. He's yeah. not like – he's almost a bit like a stronger Leonard Floyd up top where Floyd, you were always like, he's almost there. He's almost there. Yeah. And I think he is the opposite where he's going to get there, but he's also not quite what – because I think Floyd's an anomaly in coverage as an outside linebacker as a three – as a 30 front guy, which is like, holy crap, he's covering tight ends step for step. Exactly. But you don't see too many of the, those guys around. No, no. And versus Tryon is, you're, he's not going to hurt you in coverage, is my point. Yeah. And I think that is because of his athleticism and his footwork and his, his size. He's, he's a good size to be there. But I'll let you kind of jump in. I think we're probably just giving our time constraints. So I'll let you finish up what you were saying on Osai. And then I'll wrap it up and we'll, we'll finish off our edge defenders next episode as well. Yeah. So with a sigh, I feel like there's a lot of potential there. Absolutely. And I feel like that's what could get him drafted pretty early. Uh, my guess right now is early second for him. Uh, I feel like, you know, there are rumblings. He could go first, but I think he's a second round guy. Uh, and he, he's newer to the game. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know exactly how long he's been playing, but he doesn't have an extensive, uh, career that some of these other prospects might have and I think that shows up sometimes he looks a little lost uh in terms of his plan at the point of attack and his pad level can be a little bit too high but that athleticism really stands out to me I feel like he bursts well off the snap uh very much uh a bendy edge rusher in my opinion and there's a lot of room to work with there I feel like he's a bit he's a pretty big pros uh, project I guess you could say but there is a lot of potential there. I mean, just like I've got picture, I've got like pictures of both him and Tryon pulled up. Sim very similar in terms of how they're built. Yeah, very very similar builds. Yeah, which would almost be considered undersized in this league. Um, but yeah, well, I don't think I do apologize to our listeners who are going to hear this. I mean, we went an hour and fifteen minutes, but I don't think we anticipated the tackles being that long. Uh, we're, we'll finish up our edge rankings and our edge discussion along with our other hog mollies uh, going forward, either later this week, maybe over the weekend or sometime next week. But we're definitely going to keep getting you guys coverage. Um, as always, keep your hard hat ready. And this is the Lunch Pail Draftcast signing off. Enjoy your weekend, guys.